are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The same sermons over and over, you know, because they're things that I have learned and God has taught me. But today's a fresh, brand new one, so I actually have notes. I don't remember the last time I spoke with notes, and I'm not even sure what to do with it. I just like getting a little closer. You're all so far away. I'd like you all gathered right around me. Is that mine? No. No. So, So, I'm getting to feel like family here, you know. I love this place. I know so many of you now, and I'm starting to know some of your stories, and uh, I I, I like it here. I like it a lot. Um, I'm I'm sort of an idea person. I get great ideas, but I I can rarely carry them out. My sister, I have an older sister and a younger sister, and the younger one is just one of those steady, behind-the-scenes people. She hates to be up front. But she can take whatever you do. She makes things happen. She works hard. She plans. She organizes. She's an administrator. She keeps everything straight. And she said, you know, Joanne, really, you and I should travel together. Because she said, you'll get all the great ideas, and I'll make them happen. But, you know, often on leadership teams, that's the way it works. You get somebody who's the visionary, somebody else who's the plotter and makes stuff happen. And somebody, you know, that's why we need each other. We just can't do it alone. But, you know, one of the things that, that goes with my personality a lot, I, um, I often feel like quitting. Have you ever felt like quitting? Even you, steady Pastor Hayward. Come on, tell me the truth. Have you ever felt like giving up? Not since ministry. I don't mean giving up your faith in the Lord. I mean in a task. Oh, no. See, you're my stinking hero. My husband never gives up either. He's just steady, steady. I get halfway into job and I think, somebody help me. Somebody has said to me a while ago, a pastor of a big church in Ontario, he said, Joanne, would you ever consider coming on staff and doing women's ministry? And I said, I'd rather die. (laughs) And he thought I was kidding. And he said, no, 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 I mean, seriously. I said, I'd rather die. I'd have to keep doing the same stuff over and over. He said, this way I can breeze into town, do my thing, and then (laughs) it's just sort of my nature. (laughs) A lot like Brother Hayward. But, you know, I, I do. And, you know, because of my, my history with depression and everything, I've often felt like giving up. And, you know, I, I loved it. I saw a book once by David Wilkerson called, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? And I thought, yeah, because apart from the Haywards in this world, and they are not in the majority, most of us have felt like giving up sometime or other. Even our Bible heroes, they have felt like giving up. A lot of times, because the task gets wearisome, and, and we get tired, and, and we just want to quit, you know. All my life, I was a, hello, that's the man who loaned me his Bible, a preacher without a Bible. 
But it was on my iPod, and I just, doesn't matter. I gotta stop getting dis distracted. Okay, because we got a time limit here. Okay, so. I need a great deal of encouragement. I hate to admit that, but I do. And I think if we're honest, most of us do. I may be extreme, but then I'm extreme in everything. I used to work in the psychology department at, um, at McGill University, and, and the students would come in to do experiments, and uh, they'd come and book the rooms with me and, and the equipment they needed. And there was one experiment. They said, would you be a subject for us? And they often would get us to help. You know, I said, okay. Well, I didn't know what it was about. But there was this box with a ring around it with a light underneath that came around in a box. And I had a stylus. And as it went around, I was to try to follow that light. And every time I slipped off it, I'd beep, showing an error. Well, okay, so I said, all right, so I, I did it, and oh my goodness, the more it beeped, the more nervous I got. I think, I'm not doing well, I'm not doing it, beep, 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 it was terrible. And they said, well, we ask you to do it twice. So in between, they were writing down the results, and just amongst themselves, the one looked at the other and said, wow, she's good. That was good. And the other one said, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Wow. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I thought I did terrible. Huh? I'll show you good. <laughs> and the next time I got almost perfect. Well, you know what the experiment was? Positive and negative reinforcement. No matter how poorly you did the first time, they would say, wow, that was great. And they, you'd think you were overhearing it to see if it affected your results. And the other people, they might have done great the first time, but they'd say to each other, oh, boy, that's disgusting. Eh? Yeah, boy, she's bad. And watch how it affected them. And, of course, it affected them just like you think it would. But I, my results had to be thrown out because I was the worst the first time and the best the second time. <laughs> you give me a little encouragement and I run with that? And, you know, maybe not everyone is extreme as me, but the difference it makes when you are encouraged is incredible. We need to encourage one another. And in this world, and we are in a battle. We trick ourselves if we get lulled into a place where you think, oh, things are going okay, and things are going fine. Are you kidding me? We are in a battle, and the enemy is out to destroy our families. That's his goal. And he's out to destroy. And, and you know, he does it with, with deceit. You know what the problem with deception is? It's so deceiving. <laughs> if we thought for a minute we were being deceived, we'd stop it. But we don't know we're being deceived. We, it, it's, it's so deceiving. And, uh, oh, sorry, I was hoping I could stand, but ah, I got this knee. And some of you are saying, well, it's probably bad because you're overweight and you haven't been taking care of it. I know. <laughs> and after lunch today at the Steve's of curried chicken, I'm going back on my diet tomorrow. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes when it comes to raising our families and, and, and doing the work of God in our church, and when I say family, I'm meaning your biological family and your church family. We're all part of family. And sometimes in raising the family, you get discouraged. And sometimes you can want to give up. You know, my mom and dad raised us all to love Jesus. And then when they watched my 
And, and then, you know, in our late teens, it's some of the stupid things we did. And I ran away to BC, and I lived in a house kind of like a commune. <laughs> Do I look like a hippie? Oh, I'm hippie, all right. But not what it meant back then. And, you know, my parents were heart sick. And then my brother had been raised to serve God, left his wife, married his secretary. Messy, messy, messy. And I'm sure there were times my parents thought, what have I done wrong? But now there's mom and dad watching their, their seven kids now, all grown, all serving Jesus. And they're seeing some of the reward of, of what, they've, what they've done. But sometimes we get discouraged in the work. Now, how well do you know your Old, your old Testament stories? You know, I was, I was well into adulthood before I fell Because I'd hear preachers preach about um, uh, Nehemiah or Jeremiah or Esmond. I don't know how it all fits in the story. Do you know how it all fits together? I, you know, many of you do, but many of you don't have a clue. Okay? Okay. Creation. The fall. Then they spread out, and, and, and they were wicked, and God caused Noah to, to, uh, to, to he caused, sent a flood, and Noah saved a remnant, and, and then they broke out into nations, and, and everything was messed up and not going well, so God says, I'm going to choose a people. I'm going to make a people that are my own, and he called Abraham to begin a, a nation that he would show the world how he worked through. And so they, Abraham, and he, had his, they, he called them out of Ur, and they went out to the promised land, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob had 12 boys, and the youngest one, well, not the youngest, but one of the youngest was Joseph. Where'd he end up? Eh? Egypt. And then he brought the whole family, and they settled there. How long did they end up being there? Eh? 400 years. Who, who got them out of there? Charlton Heston. Oh, no. Yeah. No, Moses. <laughs> so they got out of there. They got to the promised land, terrified them. Ah, there's giants there. Ah, we ain't going in. They got scared. So they had to wander around in the desert for how long? 40 years. Who took them in? Joshua. So they got into the new land, and, and at first they're like conquering cities and, and doing everything God showed them to do, and wow, it was fabulous, and they're settling down. But then they started not listening and wandering off and getting mixed up with the people that were there, and yada, yada, what a mess. The time of judges, where everybody did what was right in his own eyes. A messy time. And so they went through, who are some of the judges? Name out, a, just to call out a couple. Huh? Well, Gideon was one of the warriors there, but he wasn't a judge, was he? Samson? Oh, there's a fine example. Deborah? Anyways, time of judges, and the people said, we want a king. All right, I'll give you a king. Who was the first king? Saul. Who was the second king? David. And then who, his, who took over after David? Yeah, and under that ring, the, the kingdom split in two, into Israel and Judah. So down in Judah, like they, and, and in the north... No, no kings that served God, not one. In the south in Judah, there were some kings that served God, not very many, 
But there were some good ones, and we get some great Bible stories out of there. But then they didn't listen, they didn't listen. God allowed Assyria to come in and wipe, out, wipe them out in the north. And eventually, God allowed Babylon in to take over Ju- uh, Judah. And many of them, over a period of years, were taken into Babylon in exile. And I know you all remember perfectly my message the last time I was here. And I was talking about some of the ones who had been taken into Babylon, and they hated it there, and, and how God said to them, build a house and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what, you produce, eat what they produce. So learn to live in that place. Okay, so now we're, we're just after that. They lived in, in Babylon for many years. And then after 70 years, actually it wasn't quite 70. 70 was a symbolic number. But after almost 60 years, some of them were allowed to go back. And they went back and um, they rebuilt the temple. Oh, it wasn't nearly what it had been. But they rebuilt the temple. And Nehemiah was one of the guys still left now in Babylon, although it had been taken over by the Persians. So he was the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And some people came back from Jerusalem, and he said, how is it going? How are they doing there, the, the ones that went back and the remnant that was left behind? Are they, are they doing well? And they said, you know, the walls, it's in disgrace. The walls are just crumbled down. There's nothing to protect them. It's a mess. And Nehemiah wept, and he was sick. You know, often when you grieve about something, it's because the Lord is calling you to do something about it. And he just grieved. Oh, our homeland is in disgrace. And so he went with a petition to the king. Will you let me go back and rebuild the walls? And they let him go. And, uh, you know, so much to the story but that we haven't got time for. I just wanted to place this in history for you so you'd understand what we're talking about. So this is after exile and the place is in disgrace and they're trying to... See, we were red. We got the memo. No one else is in tune with the moving of the spirit. So, um, so the, the place is in disgrace. So he goes back, and they start building the walls. Well, at first, the people really banded together and started building this thing, and they were all excited about it. But you know what? There were some people there. Sanballat was one of the main people. Some people there who were Samaritans. Who were the Samaritans? Why did the Jews not like them? Do you have any ideas? Well, many of them were from some of the people that were left behind in, in the north. And they started marrying in with everybody else and started um, altering their, their views. It's kind of like a Christian today who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I also believe in Muhammad and Buddha. Hello. And so they started doing that and mixing it all up with their faith and getting it all messed up and not true religion. So the Jews hated them. So... These guys see them building the wall, and they hate it, and so they start messing with their heads. Um, okay, are you ready? Nehemiah 4, okay? When Sanballat heard they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed, and he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, Sanballat and Tobiah, they were thick as thieves trying to wipe these people out. What are they building? Boy, even if a little fox climbed up on that wall, it would tumble. Just hearing it, you want to slap him, don't you? I know. You know... I am suggesting to you this morning that we are in the business of building families 
and building church families and doing our work. And the world, especially right now, is mocking us. They have redefined what family is in some very terrible ways. And mixed up with all of that is, I see Christians saying, well, you know, the kids are, are, aren't married, they're living together, but, um, you know, that's what they do nowadays. What? Well, I know you say, well, who are you to talk? Look what your daughter did. Oh, I know, my daughter was promiscuous. She got three kids from three different fathers. She did it all wrong. And you can't stop what your kids will do. But what is your reaction? If your reaction is, well, that's what they do now, you are being deceived. If that's what's happened to your kids, groan, mourn, put on sackcloth and go into fasting. You know what I'm saying? Even... Even somebody that I know real well, who I would have always thought a very solid Christian, their, their son is off living with his girlfriend. They said, well, she's a nice girl. And that's kind of what they do now. You might as well have put a knife in my heart. Because I thought, is, are we being deceived to even think this is okay? No! Now, where we err sometimes is in saying, that is not okay, and you are disgusting, and don't you come in this house again. No, 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 no. No, Mm-mm-mm. love, yes, oh, love them with all your heart, but that doesn't mean calling sin okay. And so, it's so common now, I feel sick, I feel sick, and you know, there's probably people, and this is the beauty, see, I don't know you, I don't know if that's true in your family, and it may be, but If it's true in your family, I'm not saying, what did you do wrong? No, look what happened to my daughter. It happens. But grieve about it. And call on God. Because the world has so messed us up. You know, I got to say, I love Ellen DeGeneres. I think she's funny and sweet and deadly dangerous. Oh, I love her. I'd love to meet her and chat with her. But do you know why she's so dangerous? Because she makes homosexuality look so nice. She's so sweet. She's so pleasant. And your natural reaction, well, how can that be wrong? (laughs) It's called deception. And, you know, we have different responses. Some people say, yes, I won't even watch her. Click. Well, you don't click anymore. Remote, whatever. That's what I hate about remote. You can't really hang up on anybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Boom. Not the same as the old phones you could smash into the cradle. Not that I have anger issues. (laughs) Please don't get me wrong. (laughs) But anyways, you have different reactions to it, and different personalities will react differently. But as long you must remain loving... Just because, I mean, somebody else is sinning in another area. It doesn't mean you cut them off. No, we should be loving and kind and affirming and reaching out to people in sin. But just don't call their sin okay. So this is where we get deceived, you see. So here we are building our families and the world is teaching us all around well family could be two men and children or family could be this or you know marriage isn't what it used to be and kids can live together to try it out and we start falling for it 
Well, you know, the, the people that were, dis, that were trying to build the wall were getting discouraged too because these guys kept coming on and saying, you're trying to make a wall out of those burnt out stones? Come on, you really think it'll work? And then they kind of look and think, well, you know, they've got a point. <laughs> Somebody else said, you call that a wall? A fox would run on that and it would fall. And they laugh and they mock. And you start getting discouraged. I got a daughter who's a drug addict. Do you know what the stats say about drug addicts? It's not good. So many of them die. So many of them can't overcome it. She's got borderline personality disorder. You know what the stats say about borderline personality disorder? I could start listening to all this stuff and thinking, you know, really, if I, if I were honest with myself, there's not much of a chance. Horse feathers. We serve an almighty God. And God is bigger than all of this stuff. So Nehemiah came along and saw them, and, and these people were mocking in them, and they're starting to think, you know, they got a point. What is the hope? Belting with these messed up stones and everything. I don't, I don't know where this is going. And then Nehemiah said, no, 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 come on, come on, pull together. And they said, you know what? We're We're tired. The wall was halfway up. And that's usually the point where you start wiping out. The wall is halfway done. And they're saying, you know, but we're so tired. Oh, where's that verse? In, in verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, Well, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble. We can't build the wall. Rubble the stuff that gets in the way that wants to stop you. You know some of the rubble and the mess of trying to build my family? Here's my ginger. Went to rehab for six months. Dream Center in Edmonton. Looking good. The walls are halfway up. We're thinking, yes! We are so going. And then she came home and started to slip into her old ways. And now it looks like she's coming back again. So here's some of the rubble in this mess. Here's the kids trying to figure out what's wrong with mama. Here's the kids trying to figure out why she has to go back again and the little one, she doesn't look sick. And then her husband, who has given up, and I can't blame him. She's been with so many other men. She's a drug addict. Um, I think she has scriptural right he has scriptural right to start all over again. But instead, you know, I mean, the, the enemy would never get our son-in-law with drugs and alcohol and stuff. He's too steady. He's too strong. He's too good. But instead, he's found this other woman that he's not married to, and he has never divorced from Ginger, and now he's seeing this other woman, and she's not a Christian. That's rubble. All this mess. Get, oh, come on, let's keep it neat and clean. Let's just have a Hosea who's going to stay and wait till she gets better. Okay, well, he's going to divorce her. Let him wait till he's divorced before he starts sleeping with somebody else. And let him marry a Christian. It's getting so messy. And I'm trying to save the lives of these three kids and lead them to Jesus, and there's so much stinking rubble. 
So you know what Nehemiah said? He saw the discouragement in the camp, and he knew things were falling down. He said, okay, this is what we're going to do, guys. Everybody, listen up. It says, remember the Lord your God. Don't be afraid. Remember how awesome he is. And he, what he did is he put some of them at the lowest points in the wall. He started putting people at the weak spots to watch it. And then he started positioning them in families. He sent them out in families so that they can encourage one another. He said, now, remember the Lord your God is awesome. Now fight for your children and your husbands and your wives and your sons and your daughters. Fight for them. And the Lord your God will fight with you. Yes. This is good preaching. Verses 11 and 12. You see, the, they started saying to them, too, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They were so discouraged. There's really not much hope. It doesn't matter where we go. It's going to happen. So listen, in verse 13, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Now don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. And you know, he set up a plan. He said, now half of you I want to be working on the wall and the other half, arm yourselves with swords and half of you be watching all the time while the others are working because they're scared. So if they see you around armed and ready to take over, they're not going to be so afraid. And get them in families so they don't think they're working alone. Now they can look around and say, I'm doing this for these kids. I'm doing this for them. And raise the morale because they're working together. And he said, now, while you've got your armor out and you're ready, people are guarding you the whole time you're working. You're all together in this. And I'm also going to have a trumpeter. And whenever there's trouble, I'm going to sound this trumpet. And then everybody come together and God will fight for us. Isn't that a great plan? Isn't that a great plan? And so, you know, I'm fighting for my family. And I am not going to sit back and say, well, it's addiction. It's borderline. There's really not much we can do. We'll mud it through. No! I am stationing those children. I have got them together with me. And I am teaching them the word of God. And I am praying for my son-in-law. That he will realize that what he's doing is not the right way to respond to it. And we are gathered together in families. And I, I tell my church family. And I tell the people that I believe with. So that they will stand with me. And when I call the trumpet, help. I think she's back into drugs again. Raise a mighty cry with me and say, we believe with you. And fight for your family. And you know, they got that wall built. It happened. But you know what I love? I think, where was it? Oh, dear. Oh, I don't know why I take notes and never use them. They got it done. And in Nehemiah 6... Verse 15, 16. It said, So the wall was completed on the, 25th, on the 25th of LL in 52 days. And when all the enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. <laughs> because they realized the work had been done with the help of God. Hello. Isn't this fabulous? I have a sneaking suspicion that the people who have been watching Ginger for years... And some of them have said, really, there's not much hope there. I don't know what's going to happen to those kids. How are they going to turn out? What's going to happen there? I have a feeling that some of these people that she has worked with and have seen the mess are one day going to say, wow, 
She's ministering. She's, she's free. She's okay. This must be God. Don't you love that? And you know, some of you are building and working on your families, and, and it's, getting, it's getting difficult for you, but the rubble is getting in your way. And some of the rubble we discussed on Saturday night, some of you are, are fighting with things like unforgiveness, and you're trying to build your church, but you think, well, the church hasn't been there for me, and, and this has happened, and that has happened, and, and so I'm getting kind of messed up, you know? Stop it. Just stop it. Kick that rubble out of the way. Move that stuff to the side. It's going to trip you up till you sit down and say, I can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm too discouraged. Get rid of the rubble. And some of the rubble is stuff in your life and, and some of the, the, the things that you've been doing that haven't been right and you've busied yourself with other things that are not of God and, and you haven't really focused on the battle. But you know, arm yourself. Well, what's the, what's the armor that we put on in the New Testament? Helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. And build yourself up in those things. And then you deal with all the rubble. And you, you, keep, you keep a guard out for each other. You watch. And you watch. And when you don't see somebody around for a while, you check out. Are they in trouble? Are they in trouble at their spot? Do we need to gather around here? Do we need to sound a trumpet? Call everybody together over here. Oh, and look at this family over here. They're struggling with this. Now, they haven't said anything, but look it. I'm seeing some problems here. Sound the trumpet. Call the troops together. Put on your armor. And let's start fighting this thing. If we don't have the mindset of fighting for our families, we're going to lose them. But if we claim our territory for the Lord and get rid of that rubble and keep on building, one of these days it's going to be built and the enemy is going to look and say, oh my, that must have been God. You know what? I, um, I'm, ex- I'm an experienced speaker, Lance. I've done it quite a bit. But this is a new message and, um, and it's a good one. But you know what the problem is? I'm done. You know what I want to do? I want to have a rallying point here today for families. I want to give some of you who have been starting to get lax in your families and started to think, well, there's not much we could do. They're not serving the Lord, and uh, I don't know if we can ever bring them back. And, you know, they've been hurt. They've been hurt. And uh, I'm just sort of biding my time because I don't know what else to do. And uh, no. No. Begin to mourn and fast and pray. And gather people around you to pray with you for those in your family that you are concerned about. And begin to call on God and expect to see some miracles. So you know what I want to do? I want you to stand up with me. If you are here, now this is, I know this is one giant family, and I know there are people who are single and don't have children, and, but that doesn't mean you're not part of this family. So what I want you to do, if you are here with some members of your family, could you, could you gather together somewhere, either at the front or where you are? If you are here without any biological family around you, would you gather in? Would some of you families look around and say, please come into ours? It's just symbolic. You're all part of the same family. But would you gather together, and we're gonna, what we're going to do, 
is get into these low spots on the wall where, where we're vulnerable and where our kids are hurting and where Satan is trying to get them. And we're going to claim in the name of Jesus, we're going to get our armor on and we're going to claim that God will help us to continue in the building. So go ahead and do that. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.